This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet8.net toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. Our man Torgo is busily working uh, to get all of the features back online because late last night, or not last night, the night before last, we had a server crash, uh, something went wrong with the uh, the install that we had. Anyway, everything had to be redone from scratch, so if it's if the feature you're looking for is not on right now, it will be shortly. Please be patient. And, hey, it's all free anyway, right? So head over there, freetalklive.com, and enjoy it. And, of course, it is the Thanksgiving week uh, edition of the show. We are doing shows live every single night of the week, including Thanksgiving Eve, Thanksgiving yes, Day, uh, the Friday after, and the following Saturday. So all of the normal six days a week, we're here for you. So don't miss out. Um, we will be here every single moment. Log on at freetalklive.com, of course, to grab up all the uh, the free stuff we've got there. We're going to start things out with a man who is apparently uh, selling his soul online. We're going to get to that here in a moment. But first, to Scott in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Ian and Mark, gentlemen, good, hey. to, uh, good to hear your voice. Good Hello. to have you on the line. What's up, Scott? What's on your mind? Well, I had the pleasure of meeting both of you uh, in Keene over Labor Day weekend, and uh, at that point you were a little ragged from the moving experience, and I Uh, completely understand. So we didn't have a chance to talk much, but the reason I was calling, um, uh, on one of uh, your shows last week, you had spoke with Matt, who was Joel Winter's campaign manager. That's right. Uh, Joel successfully won a seat in the New Hampshire State House. Joel is the first uh, Free State Project early mover to be elected to the New Hampshire State House. Big success. Absolutely outstanding. And I wanted to uh, expound upon a couple of the things that Matt said, um, some of the things that Joel's campaign uh, did, because I think it's important for the libertarian movement overall to learn some lessons uh, on, on how to do things successfully. Okay. Um, three points, and uh, I don't know how much time you want to take on this, but uh, some of the things that came to mind were the first thing that is that he did not run as a Libertarian Party candidate. Nope. Um, secondly, that he maintained his discipline, and he certainly understood the role of a candidate, and he had an excellent work ethic. Um, with regards to not running as an LP candidate, I think, uh, in, particularly in New Hampshire, you're seeing that more and more. I think... Uh, you know, one of the things, and, and I've got mixed feelings about this because I, I wish the Libertarian Party well, uh, but I think 35 years of incompetence, they've kind of become a caricature of themselves. Mm. Yeah, I so, sort of agree with you. I well, would love to see the Libertarians field candidates that actually got attention and uh, and made a difference, but they really aren't doing much. Someone could argue incompetence, but they certainly couldn't argue lack of success. Well, and, and the way I see it, I, uh, you know, my opinion is, is that after 35 years, the Libertarian Party has never really decided what they wanted to be when they grow up. Uh, there's always uh, you know, this ongoing debate uh, as to whether the party is an educational outlet or mm-hmm. whether it's a political party. And I, I think you know, when you look at the Libertarian movement in a broader context, uh, you need to kind of come compartmentalize and there are other institutions like the advocates for self-government and size dc and they do a great job of education and outreach but i think the job of a political party should be 
you know, pretty much focused on elections, and I just haven't seen much of that. Well, I agree with you, but even when they focus on the election, uh, like, for instance, in Michael Badnarik's campaign this year, he was running, uh, the former Libertarian presidential candidate, running for a state, or running for U.S. House in Texas, so he only had one district to run in, as opposed to the entire country. He had a $400,000 budget, all contributed by Libertarians around the country, and managed to pull, what was it, uh, 4%, 4.5%, something like that? So really, right. I mean, even when they focus on the politics, it, it, it doesn't matter if they're ignored by the press and, uh, and just uh, sidelined, as we always are. Yeah, and I think that makes the point that uh, it's, uh, it's the brand name that's tarnished, and it's not necessarily the term Libertarian, uh, because people will vote for Libertarian candidates uh, if they're running as a small L uh, within uh, you know, one of the existing parties. I don't know if it's the, I don't know if the Libertarian brand name is tarnished. I just don't think it's gotten enough market penetration. People still don't know what Libertarians are. I mean, so when they see the LIB on the ballot, they get scared. They think it means liberal. And right, you, you do. You definitely get some of that. Uh, right, and then uh, you've got the wasted voter syndrome as well. Even people yeah. that know what libertarians are are afraid to vote for a libertarian because they're concerned about you know uh, the electing the lesser of two evils as as a result. And so that's why running as a Democrat or a Republican is going to uh, bring us success. Is bringing us success as is evidenced by uh, the Joel Winters campaign. And exactly. I, Yes, and, and, and I can uh, attest that from my personal experience, uh, having run as both an LP candidate and uh, more recently in a Republican primary. Um, and again, back to my point that the term libertarian is is not being rejected because, uh, you know, in my particular race, the media, uh, not trying to be as unhelpful as they possibly could, in dozens of articles referred to my candidacy as libertarian turned Republican, but uh, coming so close as I did, uh, you know, is, is a moral victory. Um, you know, the voters simply did not reject the term libertarian. But uh, there's something about the brand name of the Libertarian Party that I think, you know, we'd be well advised to uh, avoid. I, I it, like I say, it's mixed feelings. I wish them success, but right. it just doesn't seem like they've done it to this point. Let's move on to your second point. Well, uh, the second point is uh, uh, Joel, uh, uh, from uh, the research that I've done on how he ran his campaign, he uh, understood the role of a candidate. And what I mean by that is uh, it seems as if he focused on a issue set that was relevant, and uh, he didn't view his role as a candidate to go out and teach a party platform. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the mistakes that libertarian candidates make repeatedly is they they view their role as a candidate as one where they go out, they go out and evangelize the movement. Whereas politics, uh, it, it's it's ironic that you know being a candidate is actually prob- probably the least partisan activity you can engage in. It's about uh, identifying a pre-existing set of issues and then applying libertarian solutions and uh, and communicating and those it. to the voters. Right, exactly, and you've got to you've got to narrowly define your issue set to things that are important. I right, mean, uh, and keep your mouth shut um, about you know questions you weren't asked about because um, he could have really talked himself into a hole if he would have gone just you know talking about any old thing that uh, came to his head. The roads. <laughs> well, you know, you know that's that's a very good point, Mark. Because and I'll give you an example. Um, you, you don't put a voter through a litmus test. I had one of my supporters uh, when, when I was a candidate. He was writing me a $250 check. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he was writing, 
he mentioned to me, he said, hey, Scott, you know, you, you're talking about a lot of good things, but I don't agree with your position on drug policy. Mm-hmm. And I simply replied to him, well, that's okay. Um, he never lifted his pen from the paper, continued to write the check. And uh, uh, the point is, is that you don't put your supporters or your voters through your litmus test. What you want to do is uh, identify areas of agreement and, uh, and, and yeah, focus on those. And yeah. and I think that's a great that's a great approach. Our politicians that we currently have in office uh, certainly don't care what you think about issues. <laughs> so let's move well, on to point number three. Well, the third point is, uh, um, and, and again, this is uh, from watching the campaign from afar, but it appears Joel had the proper work ethic. And uh, the, the thing uh, that a lot of folks need to realize is that putting yourself in the role of a candidate is an incredible time commitment. And if you're going to be serious about this, I mean, too often libertarians run what are called paper candidacies right. where they get their name on the ballot. And that's it. Booth. Gee, I'm going to vote for myself isn't this cool. Um, and again, that kind of reinforces the stereotype that uh, you know libertarians aren't serious candidates. Sure. But Joel went out there, and uh, he made uh, a lot of individual voter contact. Which is which is one of the uh, the uh, the benefits of living in New Hampshire and running uh, for for office in New Hampshire because the uh, le- state legislature is the third largest legis- legislative uh, citizen legislative body in the entire world. So therefore, your actual district that you're running in is very small. It's right. to the point where you could actually walk house to house. It's one of the largest le- legislative bodies right. in the world, and it's one of the smallest states in America. Correct. So you have a really yes, small you- voter base. You've got the the geography is in your favor, and uh, uh, you know one of the things uh, you know I think libertarians tend to over rely on they have an over reliance on technology. Um, it's almost as if Gita fantastic website with all these. Yeah, you've still got to get out. You still got to get out and press the flesh. And Scott, thank you for the the insights. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's still about meeting people and uh, getting them on your side. More coming up. You take control. It's free talk live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet A toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You get signed up for the updates. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com. To get signed up for free, that's updates.freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel, entitled Enemies of Liberty. The three-day event starting on February 23rd, and early bird discount ends on Thanksgiving. So get registered now if you want to save some money at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. I mean, you can still register after Thanksgiving. It's just going to cost you more. Uh, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is going to be the pro-liberty event of 2007. I think I can say that uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I think you're not going out of limb there. It's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so uh, let's go to the world of shopping. What can I buy this holiday season, Mark? <laughs> well, you could buy a man's soul, but you won't be getting it delivered until 2007. Hmm. What's this all about? Well, from uh, Newswire, uh, Gerald Frawler is the first person to admit that his idea to sell his soul sounds a bit crazy. But according to the 28-year-old Tampa man, um, of course, it had to be Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's willing to do nearly anything at this point to turn his life around, even if it means giving up control of his soul. (laughs) 
Brawler insists that the goal isn't to create controversy or make some kind of statement. Rather, it's simple business proposition. In exchange for donations to his cause, donors receive entries in the drawing. The winner gets to share in Frawler's earning potential, intellectual property, personal affairs, and estate. The winner even receives an annual report outlining his activities, progress, and accomplishments. Assuming, that is, that there are any. People <laughs> he says, people invest in uh, business all the time through stock purchases, says Frawler. So it occurred to me, why can't someone invest in my really lousy business, no, in my person the same way, mm. depending on how I do over the next 40 or 50 years? The return on the investment of even $1 can be potentially much greater than the return on the best performing stock or the most generous slot machine in Vegas. How will owner, um, ownership be transferred? Brawler um, plans to sign a bidding contract covering 20 specific clauses. The owner will not only have the right to a percentage of Frawler's income, intellectual works, and estate, but will also be able to plan the date and details of his wedding, select the names of his children, determine a New Year's resolution from each, each year, and come up with the inscription for his tombstone. Hmm. Frawler admits that he may come under some criticism for deciding to sell his soul. However, he's, it doesn't sound like there's a soul here. Here lies Frawler. I owned him. <laughs> However, he maintains that it is a last-ditch effort to change his life. Oh, my god! I've had a hard life so far, he says, and I'm at a point where I really want to change it for the better. So he's going to sell for uh, for cheap, then, is what he's saying. I, he's uh, trying to sell tickets, so I don't know mm -hmm. if uh, that... I don't know... What is this? Tickets for a... Um, a they're not, tickets not, for a drawing. It's a for, drawing, not a bid process? Correct. So you just sort of randomly are going to win his soul? You're not going to be... It's not going to go out to the highest bidder? I well, you could, bid, you could buy work. more tickets. I see what you're saying. Um, I want a good job, find a woman to love, marry, get a house, have children, make a positive contribution to society. I don't want a lot, just happiness and contentment. To do that, I need to generate revenue, and the only thing I have of value right now is my soul. It has great potential <laughs> for the right owner, and though, and through this contest, I hope to find people out there who believe in me as much as I do. Yeah, well, how much debt does this soul have? I, I don't know. I wonder about that. I, I would think that you um, Where do you go make to money bid? off of his uh, gross, his income, yeah. as opposed to what his debt servicing is. I see. Where do I go to to, uh, to buy some tickets? Well, that's in the next paragraph here. <laughs> to promote the sale of his soul, Frawler has set up a website, www.winmysoul.com, <laughs> where visitors can send in a donation, read through an initial draft of the contract, and see the benefits of ownership. They can also click on links to learn more about Frawler, his interests, his Story, his hopes and dreams. Since the soul sale is just um, is just beginning, the firm date for the actual drawing has not been determined at press time, but will occur sometime in 2007. Frawler is hoping to do the drawing on a nationally televised radio or television show. Somehow, I doubt that radio or television show will in fact be Free Talk Live. I don't know if if he's uh, if he's got a little bit of cash. <laughs> we'll sell him the airtime. Oh, God. oh my gosh. 800-259-9231. He's uh, got a section here, Why Sell My Soul? says, that's a very good question, one I've grappled with for some time. In thinking about it, I've purposely stayed away from the religious aspects and focused on soul ownership as a business arrangement. It's very simple, really. In the corporate world, people invest in companies all of the time by purchasing shares of stock. In a sense, they're investing in the business's future, its potential, its value, and its intellectual property. So it occurred to me, why couldn't someone do the same with an individual? Well, because, I mean, I guess you could. I guess this could work for him. I wonder if he's actually been selling tickets so far. Have it, can you actually buy the tickets at this point? Or is it uh, later on down the line that you're going to be able to um, 
to purchase them. It was my understanding you could start buying buying now, but I only read the article. I didn't have uh, um, really any. I see. No, here it is. Number of current entries, 3,274. He's managed to get 3,200 people to buy how many? $1 tickets? Uh, yeah, it looks like they're dollar tickets. Um, 3,200 people. Give him $3,200 for this uh, drawing, mm-hmm. of which they're not going to win any of that money back. They're just going to get his future uh, earnings. And um, whoever the winner is of this raffle. He doesn't even say when he's going to have the, the raffle. Right, yeah, he could very well just... <laughs> and could so who's going to watch scam. the raffle? Right. Um, now, here's the thing about you know a radio contest. Or, you know, there's, there's laws that govern how they do it, and I, I'm just wondering, how's this contest work oh but those laws i mean yeah but even can in radio the, can he sell the uh, the winning ticket to his mom exactly oh look mom won how or about d- that right his friend or somebody who doesn't even really exist a name of somebody who does isn't even a real person even better um it, you say that laws govern radio station contests and that is true there are fcc regulations and that sort of thing mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that they uh that they follow those no, regulations it doesn't there's I've, plenty of times i've heard uh, the, the, the local radio station says that uh, the final arbiter of uh, who wins a contest is the guy who's manning the phones yeah it absolutely is right. <laughs> it's true uh if you call in uh, to your local radio station they're giving away something and uh you're just even if you are the right caller they might have taken a call from somebody they like before you mm-hmm. and then they'll just tell you you're not the right caller and there's no way you're never going to you're going to you're going to know otherwise you know um we used to work in sort of a satellite market we used to live in Sarasota which is just outside of Tampa mm-hmm. and when I was younger that's I guess when people care more about radio contests than when they get older generally I used to listen to Tampa stations because they played all the sort of rock and roll music. Um, well, they never let anybody from Sarasota win because they had, at that time, you know, long distance counted for something, and 800 numbers were rare, and they had different numbers for different uh, zip codes, or not zip codes, but area codes. Yeah. So, of course, they knew which calls were coming in from Sarasota and Bradenton. Sure. So, Cut them out. Yeah, but they, they just they didn't win. Yeah, or you can uh, pretend to run the contest and then just give the prize to somebody you like. Yeah, and pull a name out of a phone book. That's what I, I did that once. I uh, I just grabbed a because uh, there's so much dishonesty and just fraud in the music radio business. Like for instance, when they say it's a request hour, not true. They maybe have like one or two slots that you can fill with a request, but it's all all of the rest of it has been pre-programmed. Uh, there was one time when I was giving something away and nobody called to win, but <laughs> instead it was just some crappy prize that nobody wanted, right? right. And so instead of um, making it look like or making it sound like on the air that you know nobody's listening or nobody wanted this prize, so I just went into the phone book, pulled out a random first name, pulled out a random last name, put the two names together, and said, hey, "Our winner, so and so from Sarasota, is the winner. Congratulations. Congratulations! Nobody won the prize, but I lied about it." That's my job. Well, often people would call in and win and just not pick them up. Yeah, 1-800-259-9231. There's so many lies in music radio. That's why I'm in talk now. One of the reasons. More coming up. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, listener map at map.freetalklive.com. We've got over 1,700 of our listeners from around the world 
that have added themselves to it. You can go there and see what it's all about, and then uh, add yourself if you would like. It's free, of course, at map.freetalklive.com. That, again, is map.freetalklive.com. Well, we were talking about uh, this gentleman who's going to be selling his soul, apparently, to the, uh, the, I guess, somebody who ever wins his raffle. And so, just on the, the topic of selling things, I suppose, a reminder... To those of you out there who have, uh, who are planning on purchasing things online, perhaps on eBay, this particular holiday season, maybe you're one of the zealous parents who are trying to get a PlayStation 3 for their children to make their kids happy. You should be careful when you're buying things on eBay. As you know, if you've ever bought anything on eBay before, it's very, very important to read the item description. Yes, and to look at these sellers' feedback, or at least That's another see how much factor. feedback they have. Um, there will be, there, I can't tell you how many new people on eBay this season saying, I'm going to try out this eBay thing for Christmas. And they're not going to have any idea that they're purchasing something from um, somebody who's just started being on eBay. You know, they got sure. one or two feedbacks, and the reason is, well, they've just started, and they could very well just take your money and run. Yeah, who knows who they are? And and they're more likely to do it the higher the bid is. And here's a real-life example of somebody who wasn't careful enough. Caveat emptor, buyer beware. It is up to you to read the item description from Engadget. In what's sure to be a front-runner for the oh-snap moment of the, uh, of the day or year, a presumably frustrated, delusional, and impatient individual apparently forgot to read the fine print on his latest eBay win. While it's no secret that PlayStation 3 units have been selling for incredulous prices, snagging one for $900 probably seemed like quite the deal at the time. However, the poor buyer failed to realize that he or she just committed to almost $1,000 to purchase three original PlayStation consoles. What was the auction listed as? Sony PlayStations, comma, three of them. Now, anybody who was looking even moderately closely at this probably should have been able to figure it out. Yeah. But the individual apparently just looked at this, glanced at the subject, placed a bid, and man, they paid way too much. Can you imagine how the guy that... Uh is has this had this auction feels? He's like, yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <Sucker. laughs> I don't think he necessarily even thought that. Maybe. I mean, if he listed it as, um, he could have very well listed it as something even uh, worse, like uh, PlayStation X3. Yeah, he could have. He could um, have. You know, if if, if, <laughs> yeah. if he says three of them. Man, um, what do you need if it, if that's how it's listed? Well, to make matters even worse, no games controllers or heartfelt sympathy was to be included, leaving the unsuspected buyer in quite a bad predicament. So essentially, the auction was for three PlayStation units. You didn't even get anything else. And they're, what, worth maybe 30 bucks for maybe, these three? yeah, maybe for, I mean, 30 apiece. No, come on, 30 apiece, no controllers. Without any of that stuff, yeah. No, come on, 10 apiece. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you could say 20, but I just don't see why. So there's a perfect example. I gave mine away. Buyer beware. Be careful out there. It wasn't even worth going to the pawn shop to me. Before you place your bid, double-check the auction text to make sure you know exactly what you're getting. And if you're unsure, if the auction isn't clear enough, and like for instance, if the uh, the auctioneer, the seller, has a high rating, but even even based on their high rating, if you're still not sure of what you're getting, ask questions to clarify. I mean, even I, who has uh, you know uh, almost a decade of 
eBay buying experience, buying and selling experience at this point. Even I uh, sort of am a little sloppy from time to time. I recently bought a piece of hardware on eBay, and without thinking, I thought for myself, oh, I'll, I'll buy this from Australia. That'll be cool. Send some business down to somebody down under. Well, unfortunately, I didn't think to realize that, wait a minute, this piece of hardware is coming from Australia. The, the power system the is different there. The amperage is the difference, or voltage right. or whatever. Yeah, the, the, I think it's the amperage on the back of the unit, that, or yeah, voltage, um, that, it, that it's different. It's 240 compared to 120, and it just it just doesn't work here. I, I'd have to buy a power converter. You stick a fork in a plug in Australia, it's going to kill you. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, not necessarily <laughs> in the United States. I mean, it's not... <laughs> Not a good idea either way. Necessarily, uh, Nonetheless, I screwed up. It, you know, it was my fault. And so now I'm going to sell it back. Anyways, be careful when you're buying stuff on eBay. 800-259-9231. Do you have an eBay screw-up story? Have you made a big mistake on eBay? And do you want to tell us about it? Because if you talk about it, it'll probably make you feel a little bit better. And it'll also help uh, educate those out there that maybe are a little more inexperienced than you. Maybe I, you'll save somebody a few bucks. I bought a phone that had a broken um, screen. I didn't realize it. I didn't look closely enough. I just thought, hmm, that's a good-looking phone. That's the kind of phone I want. Mm-hmm. I'll bid on that. Oof. Yikes. Yeah, it wasn't good. Was it clear in the auction that the that it did have a screen you just didn't notice? Or it, didn't, it had a broken screen, but you didn't notice? It eh. It was clear, but uh, I should have read. I should have read the whole thing, and I should have read it clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't the most prominent thing in the world. Right. Well, and you can't feel. You can't be angry at the seller for those sorts of things. If they included the information in the auction, you you can only beat yourself up over it. Mm-hmm. You know, darn it, that cost me two hundred dollars. Oh well, learn my lesson for next time. Well, it wasn't two hundred dollars. And, and I got to say that even over all of over all of the time, over all of the things that I purchased on eBay. For the one or two items that weren't quite represented accurately, that I might have gotten a little bit ripped off on, overall, the amount of money that I've saved over, over time on all those products is, has been well worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, eBay's, eBay's a good good place. So shopping, uh, of course, is going to be uh, – it's, it's a topic for everybody this time of year. Black Friday is coming up. The sales are already coming out. I saw the uh, the Walmart circular today. I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get all these things because – I don't I don't get the newspaper around here, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get all the advertisements. I might have to go out and buy a like a Thanksgiving Day paper or something like that just to get. Is that the day that they put all those in? They I think they typically do, if not the 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 day before. I think it's typically Thanksgiving Day because you usually get this huge newspaper that's just full of advertisements. Mm-hmm. And because I remember I used to go to the uh, the Thanksgiving Day uh, family get-togethers, and because I didn't want to talk to anybody there, I would just sit and read the the ads. Just yeah, you sure are a barrel of laughs. <laughs> See why anybody invites you to Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to taking a look at all the ads. But I saw the first one today from Walmart, and I can tell you one of the hot items, one of the things that people are going to be uh, fighting over is a 20-inch television for less than $70. Whoa. Yeah. Now, it's not HDTV no, or anything like, like that. that. Twenty inches for less than seventy dollars. That's pretty easy to put in the kids' room. I can imagine a lot of yep. people would be doing that. They're going to have a pallet of those things right at the front of the store, and you can better believe there's going to be a line of people out the front door at five a.m. waiting to get in with their football gear on. Uh huh. Yep. Oh. It may come to fisticuffs, and we'll certainly report any of it as soon as we hear about it here on Free Talk Live. We certainly will. And uh, you dial in as well. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Steve Howard says he used to fantasize about what he'd say to President Bush or Vice Cheney or Vice President Cheney if he ever got the chance. Well, that opportunity arrived on June 16th, according to the Progressive, the same day he says he read about U.S. fatalities in Iraq reaching 2,500. 
Howard says he was taking two of his kids to the Suzuki Piano Camp in Beaver Creek, Colorado. They were walking across the outdoor public mall area where all of a sudden he saw Dick Cheney. Really? I didn't even know he was in town, said Howards. He was walking through the area shaking hands. Initially, I walked past him. Then I said to myself, I can't in good conscience let this opportunity pass by. So I approached him, got about two feet away, and I said in a very calm tone of voice, Your policies in Iraq are reprehensible. And then I walked away. Howard says he knew the administration has a history of making problems for people who protest its policies, so he wanted to leave off at that, you know, instead of maybe threatening or Mm. saying something he might regret. But the Secret Service didn't take kindly to this comment. About ten minutes later, I came back through the mall with my eight-year-old son in tow, Howard recalls, and this Secret Service man came out of the shadows, and his exact words were, Did you assault the vice president? Here's how Howard says he responded. No, but I did tell Mr. Cheney the way I felt about the war in Iraq, and if Mr. Cheney wants to be shielded from public criticism, he should avoid public places. If exercising my constitutional rights to free speech is against the law, then you should arrest me. Which is just what the agent proceeded to do. Wow. We will give you the rest of the story coming up here in moments. 800-259-9231. Arrested for critiquing the vice president. This is for real. You take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. It's your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231, also known as the Packet 8 toll-free line. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there for free. Uh, hopefully they will all be working within the next few days. You've had a bit of technical difficulty, but nonetheless, they are all on the house uh, when they are working at freetalklive.com. And we do ask for you to support the show by voting for Free Talk Live. Go to vote.freetalklive.com. That is definitely working. Uh, vote.freetalklive.com. Great way for you to register your appreciation for the show. And it helps us out because your votes are helping us stay in the top ten podcasts of the world. I believe we're currently ranked at number three or two, probably three, four. We've dropped again. Yeah, there's it's it's really a tight race here, um, though. I mean, surprisingly, there's there's only there's less than a hundred votes separating the um, the four. So we could still pull this out. We could still be the number one show by the end of the month if you go and vote at vote.freetalklive.com. If you've yet to do it in the month of November. Six, uh, 54. Uh, so all we need is 60 separate. votes then to be number one is what yeah. you're saying. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Great way to bring more people on board with the show to uh, to attract more attention, more listeners to Free Talk Live, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty. Great idea. Vote.freetalklive.com. As uh, we return to the story from the progressive, and this isn't a progressive radio show. We're neither conservative nor progressive. I'll take interesting news from wherever it comes from. And in this case, we're talking about a guy who apparently encountered Vice President Dick Cheney one day while he was out with his son doing some shopping. And he said to the president as he walked by, your policies in Iraq are reprehensible. He walked away, and then when they came out of the mall, he was approached by a Secret Service agent who said to him, did you assault the vice president? And the gentleman, Mr. Howards, responded that uh, no, but I did tell him what I thought about the war in Iraq. And if he sh- uh, if he wants to be shielded from public criticism, he should avoid public places. If exercising my constitutional rights to free speech is against the law, then you should arrest me. Which is just what the agent, Virgil D. Gus Reichel Jr., proceeded to do. 
He grabbed me and cuffed my hands behind my back in the presence of my eight-year-old son and told me I was being charged with assault of the vice president, Howards recalls. He says he told the agent, I can't abandon my eight-year-old son in a public mall. According to Howards, Riekel, uh, Riekel responded, we'll call social services. Oh, God. Before that could happen, however, my son ran away and found my wife, who happened to be nearby. First of all, I was scared, Howard, uh, Howard recalls. They wouldn't tell my wife where they were taking me. Second of all, I was incredulous that this could be happening in the United States of America. This is what I read about happening in Tiananmen Square. They hauled me away to Eagle County Jail and kept me with my hands cuffed behind my back for three hours. At the jail, the charge against him was reduced to harassment, he says, and he was released on a $500 bond. The Eagle County DA's office eventually dropped that charge. On October 3rd, Howard sued the agent for depriving him of his First Amendment right for, uh, of free speech and his Fourth Amendment right to be protected from illegal seizure. Howard's and his attorney have not demanded a specific dollar amount. Quote, we'll go to trial and let a Colorado jury de- uh, decide what type of damages are appropriate, says Howard's. This isn't about anything I did. This is about what I said. This is a frontal assault occurring on our constitutional right to free speech. We brought this suit because of our belief that this administration's attempt to suppress free speech is a greater threat than the long-term integrity of this nation from uh, then, then Osama bin Laden. Oh, then 10 Osama bin Ladens. Reichel did not return any call for comment, nor did he respond to the New York Times in its article on this incident. Lon Garner, special agent in charge of the Secret Service, says, or the Denver office, says he has no reaction to the lawsuit. It's in litigation, and we have no comment. We're the government. We don't have to comment. It's typical. They, they rarely do. Before his encounter with Cheney, Howard says he had a clean record. I was never arrested before, he says, and I don't even have so much as a speeding ticket. So they dropped the charges. They wouldn't actually press the... the they just harassed this man, is essentially what happened. The Secret Service agent used his power as a law enforcement officer to arrest this guy for saying something he didn't like to the uh, the vice president, and they threw him in jail. He he was let out. Uh, the, the, the DA dropped the charges, and they figured it would all go away. But this man is actually bringing a lawsuit, and we'll see what happens. Well, I don't I, predict too much. I don't think that the... Uh... The DA will suffer for it. I don't think the agent will suffer for it. And I don't think uh, President, uh, Vice President Cheney will suffer for it. Nope, certainly not. The only man who suffered and who, will, who had suffered is the man in question, the man who was arrested. He had his time wasted well, if by they these give bureaucrats. Him, if they give him some kind of um, settlement, uh, some, some amount of money, mm. well, then the American people suffer. That's true. The taxpayers will be mm-hmm. suffering at that point because it's not going uh, to come out of the Secret Service agent's paycheck. Nope. And neither is the uh, purse. That was stolen from first daughter Barbara Bush. She had her purse and cell phone stolen as she had dinner at a restaurant in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Hmm. even though she was being guarded by a detail of Secret Service agents. Now, I mean, these guys are supposedly the best of the best. They're supposed to be keeping people safe. But I guess that doesn't include actually keeping an eye on the person's possessions. Hmm. I mean, these these are the people that are supposed to protect your life, and they can't even protect your purse? That's pretty sad. Let's go to the phones and talk to Brian in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Brian. Hi, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, man, I, I, I hope I'm on that jury, but I don't think uh, they're going to pick me for uh, uh, that kind of jury duty in Colorado here. Yeah, they tend to they tend to pick just the dumbest of the dumb, Brian. They try, they try, to, they try to exclude anybody that has any sort of uh, opinionation to themselves. Or, or job. Mm, indeed. <laughs> well, hey, I, I was listening on, on a podcast on the way home today about your... Um, uh, homeowners Association nightmare stories. You want to hear one? Sure. Actually, it, it's it's not that bad. It's not a nightmare, but let me tell you how it could have been. 
I've, I've been involved in a couple of homeowners associations, and every time I do, I say, you know, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm in Colorado. We're kind of rural down here. So I moved into a, into a house on two acres, and mm-hmm. there was a homeowners association, but the guy who created the whole area, about 40 houses on, on two acres each, he forgot to get them ratified with the state, and so it's just kind of a joke. But what it turned into was kind of a neighborhood association, a kind of neighborhood you know, club. Uh, it, it gave us an excuse to all get together, and we got together once a year and had you know, a barbecue and drank some beer and kind of talked about things that were common to the neighbors. Okay. Sounds nice. Yeah, and, and that kind of thing. You know, uh, you, we would never do that. You know, and in this day and age, everybody doesn't even know their neighbors, especially if you've got you know, a couple acres out there. Sure. But, 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 so every year we get together, and we, we'd have a barbecue, and then you know, we, there's a $25 voluntary uh, you know, association fee for the year. This is mm-hmm. annual. And, and that basically bought the beer for the next year. Sure. But, but it worked out well because, because we had that uh, phone list, everybody knew each other. Uh, what happened is the city, the county, came to us and said, hey, you guys are all on an aquifer, we're all in wells. You're on an aquifer, and that aquifer is about to run out, and you're going to have to give us $10,000 per, uh, uh, per lot mm-hmm. in order to go down to the lower aquifer. Okay. And so we all banded together. And we found a, uh, found a lawyer who could say, hey, uh, no, this isn't the case. If we were just to um, uh, get this variance now, before, you know, while the water is still there, you know, we, we could do it for $200 a piece. And so here's a, a, rare, a rare example of where an association of people could come together and actually fight the government. And, and we did that. Interesting. And so now we're not going to have that problem if and when our water runs out. So instead of paying the government $10,000 per property, you you're paying, what, $200 to some private agency to do the drilling for you? Is that how it works? No, it hasn't happened yet. We basically bought a $200, it was $100 per lot plus $100 in lawyer fees, uh, a, a guarantee uh, that is good for 100 years on the lower level aquifer, which hasn't been tapped yet. And, and so if, if we waited until our water was gone, then everybody else would be getting that, and the, the, the county would charge us $10,000 to go into the lower lot. So it was kind of, sort of like a futures option on the uh, exactly that's exactly what it was. So this is something that uh, you wouldn't have been able to do if you didn't have this association. It kind of is kind of a loose knit voluntary association right. as opposed to a you know a, a, a heavy handed thing like you were talking about the other night. Oh, that's quite a, that's quite a comparison, and, and thank you for bringing that up. Did you have anything else for us? Well, yeah, there, there, there was one. There was a, was a. I'll, I'll make it short. There was a. Uh, I, I kind of inherited. I married a, a woman in a different place now, who was under a very heavy-handed uh, a homeowners association, mm. and of course, uh, 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 we ended up uh, getting all kinds of notices because you know we think we should be able to own our property, right? Sure. So the homeowners association came down on us. Well, uh, uh, what happened was that, like someone mentioned the other day uh, on Saturday or Saturday show, uh, they would always go to the president of the homeowners association to complain. They wouldn't actually go to the neighbor. They would go complain, you know, to the cop, basically. Yeah. So, uh, well, at our annual meeting the other, the other uh, uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, the president announced that she was leaving. She was moving, you know, selling her house. Mm-hmm. And do we have any other volunteers? So my wife volunteered me, so now I'm the president of the Homeowners Association. That's all it took? You could just stand up and take the presidency? Uh, it shocked everybody so much. They all raised their hand <laughs> because they weren't prepared for that. And then we adjourned the meeting. So, so now I'm the president, and any, any of the scoff laws have to be signed off by me. So now they have to come to me to complain about me. So all of the busybodies uh, are pretty much uh, they're screwed at this point. Yeah, yeah. 
So why didn't I'm the busybody? Now wait, wait, wait. Why wouldn't one of the busybodies have stood up and like opposed you? Were you unopposed in this particular race? I think they were so shocked that, that I would have the gall to do this kind of thing because I'm the only one who's doing anything wrong, right? Oh well, uh, way to go, man! And congratulations. Man, they make a mistake. <laughs> Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, Brian. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up whatever's on your mind on the way. We've got news from Second Life. You know this alternative reality, this thing that our, a lot of our listeners are involved in. There's some pretty neat news about it actually coming up. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free. When they're working, and we're working on getting them back online, we had a server crash a few days ago. Uh, most of the site, I think, is working at this point, or a good portion of it. We're getting it back online, so patience, please. And uh, I'll probably send out an update when everything is back and running, so if you're on the updates list, you'll know first at Update Stuff. We talk a lot there are people that uh, are, are deeply addicted to that BBS. And, I know. Uh, we, we have to get it back up for them. I understand that. I can only do so much. You know, we've... We don't have a huge budget. I can't pay my I can't pay the IT guy, uh, you know, through the nose to get all this taken care of, and he's doing it for free. So you know, we're doing what we can. Be patient. Freetalklive.com. We're trying to, I guess, to institute some more, uh, I guess, safeguards for the future. So this hopefully, if something bad happens again, we might be able to fix the problem in less than an hour instead of you know 36. So there. Freetalklive.com. Well, Graham Norton, one of BBC's television's top producers or presenters was in hot water after he revealed he had taken loads of drugs and hailed ecstasy as, quote, just fantastic, hmm. unquote. According to uh, Breitbart, the broadcasting corporation which recently signed up Norton, that is the BBC, on a new multi-million pound three-year contract defended the 43-year-old's con- uh, comments made to women's magazine Marie Claire. Quote, the issues that Graham discusses in this interview are aimed at an adult audience and reflect the frank and open nature of his personality, says the BBC. It's kind of nice having the BBC backing this guy up. Yeah, I would, I'm surprised at that. In America, he'd probably get fired uh, within moments of this airing. The openly gay Irishman had told Marie Claire, quote, the only time I took ecstasy was years and years ago. It was absolutely amazing. It was just fantastic. Really, really fun. Quote, I've tried loads of drugs, but it would really bug me if I got busted in the tabloids because I take them so rarely. Asked about cocaine, he said, quote, I think that coke is middle-aged stuff. It's quite a slow drug that involves coffee tables. To me, it's a middle-class choice of drug. Hmm. The BBC defended their presenter as Norton came in for criticism. Spokesman for the National Drug Prevention Alliance says, We're appalled. It's absolutely mind-blowing that somebody has said that. What? You mean it's mind-blowing that somebody had the courage to come out and be honest on national television about how he feels about drugs? It, that's mind-blowing? Well, I guess it is a little mind-blowing. I guess it is a little shocking that a nationally known personality, nationally known in, in Great Britain, I suppose, would have the uh, the courage, because that's what it is. That's the the quality that you need in order to do something like this is courage, uh, to come out and reveal himself for who he really is, somebody who has indeed taken and enjoyed recreational drug use and obviously doesn't, uh, doesn't regret it. He's not trying to play it off as though it was a childish mistake or anything like that. He's not trying to candy coat 
his previous behavior. He's being honest with people. So, yeah, I guess that is a little bit surprising and mind-blowing. But you know what? I wish more people would have the courage to do that. I wish more people would be able to come out on the air and say, yeah, yeah, I took those evil drugs, and you know what? I did it responsibly. Nobody got hurt, including me. I didn't get hurt either. And, uh, you know, I've done it before on this show, and I'll do it again in the future. I've taken some drugs before, and um, I'm not, I'm, I would say I'm proud of the fact that I have. It's not something to be embarrassed about. I can't say that I'm proud of the drugs that I've taken. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think it puts you further along in life as far as success goes or anything like that. I, wouldn't, I didn't suggest for a moment it did. It's recreational. When you're, when you're tipping back the brewskis on Friday night at the karaoke bar, it doesn't put you further along on the track of success at sure all. Sure but doesn't. it is a way for you to spend some of your hard-earned dollars on a uh, feeling that you enjoy receiving. A lot of people like to alter their consciousness. Some of them do it with legal drugs, and some of them choose alternate methods. Some of them choose to violate the law in order to alter their consciousness because maybe they don't like the way that uh, alcohol does it for them. I don't like alcohol. Or caffeine. Caffeine, for instance, another very popular. Nicotine. Another popular not legal so drug. Not so much mind-altering substance. Nicotine? Yeah, not so much. Uh, well, I can tell you the withdrawal process is mind-altering. That'll, mm, withdrawal that'll, suck. Well, with that, that clues you in that there's some mind-altering going on. Maybe it's not as direct as far as you getting high, so to speak, but something is altering your mind. Otherwise, you wouldn't be so There's some kind of antsy. soothing that goes on, I would think. Yeah, well, it's the soothing of your desire for another um, fix of nicotine. Well, then what's it like for the the person who smokes a cigarette for the first time? I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody who smoked one. It's kind of like a head rush. Is that right? Yeah. I wouldn't know. I've never never had experience with that. But I have had experience with uh, a few illicit substances. I've had uh, a tremendous amount of experience smoking marijuana, and I've tried... uh, Yes, you have. I've tried MDMA um, a number of times, probably about 10 at this point. Uh, I've done LSD twice. And I don't regret the experiences at all. In fact, I would say they're very, very um, growing, positive experiences for me. Now, that's not to say that they would be the same way for you. Some people have uh, absolutely terrifying experiences on a substance like LSD, and and, and there's a lot of factors that go in here. So I'm not going to candy coat the idea of doing drugs, but at the same time, I'm not going to pretend like it was all bad. I, I hear um, I've heard from several doctors that uh, LSD is um, the thing that scares them the most. That uh, apparently there's some kind of mental shift after people have done a certain level of um, LSD, and they don't consider that to be they consider it to be one of the more dangerous drugs. Well, I've certainly seen some of the old hippie burnouts. You know, the people that have done way too many drugs, way too often. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that people get burned out after using too much. But if you're using on a occasional once a year, once every two years, twice a year, something like that basis, I can't see how any sort of damage would be done unless you're taking multiple hits at the same time to where you could then enter some sort of a you know LSD-induced psychosis. It's a very powerful chemical. I mean, our brains are chemical places, a lot of chemical reactions going on in there. So even just a few micrograms of lysergic acid, I believe it is, right. can really have a, a big effect. Um, you know, to think that all drugs are equally as dangerous or um, equally as benign is really a mistake. There's many of them out there that are much more dangerous than others. For sure. instance, marijuana, not really very dangerous. PCP, on the other hand. Not very good for you. No. Inhalants, really bad idea. Yeah, very bad. If you're huffing um, metallic Huffing paint, anything. Bad idea. Any, right. Huffing anything. Um, the... Uh, 
I had another one on my mind that I I thought was a a bad one, but uh, you know, alcohol injection, injecting heroin. That's yeah, not if, so if good. you slip down to injecting things, you really need to look at a drug yeah. treatment program. Mm-hmm. Um, alcohol is a actually a pretty dangerous one on on the list of sure it uh, is. things that are dangerous. Um, it, it makes people often want to fight, and uh, that generally doesn't go anywhere well. Right, and so the fact that it's legal doesn't mean that it's safe. And, of course, this is you know one of the mixed messages that the government gives out. The government's always concerned about whenever somebody proposes perhaps a legalization scheme for a particular drug, one of the government officials' responses is usually, well, that would send the wrong message. The suggestion is that if a product is legal, that sends a message that it's okay to do that product. That's not necessarily true, and it's intellectually dishonest to suggest that that's the case. If a product is legal, it means you need to be just as careful taking that product as you would any other product. And the fact that products are, of course, illegal means that they're more dangerous to take. It's more risky to take these products. And if we were to make them legal, then they'd be less risky. There'd be less risk of overdose because people would be able to exactly measure the amounts they wanted to take. So I praise this gentleman, this uh, Graham Norton from the BBC, for coming out and being honest about his drug use and not trying to uh, pretend as though he regrets it. 1-800-259-9231 if you've had a, a similar experience. If you've, you know, also if you want to share with us your, I guess, drug history, you you certainly can and whether or not you think it did you any damage. Uh, we've got one listener that did uh, LSD something like 150 times in his, his 6 years at college. I think that's a little extreme. Seems pretty extreme to me. Uh but I know the guy today and he's a pretty sharp dude. So it's clear that he didn't go too overboard. It, it all depends. There's so many different factors. For you to just simply say that, oh, well, this is, this is this drug and it is bad. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. In fact, uh, it's typical that the government would lie to you about a lot of things. It makes you wonder. When I first smoked pot, when I first was introduced to marijuana, it made me realize that I'd been lied to by the D.A.R.E. class. And it made me wonder about what else they lied about. I, I think that that's probably the worst thing is... Um if if there's any reason why marijuana is a gateway drug, it's because it's illegal. Um, it's because kids try it, think to themselves, hey, this isn't so bad. It's kind of good. I wonder if all the rest of them are kind of good. Yeah, well, they're not all kind of good. No. Some of them are better than others. And we're going to come back with more. 800-259-9231. Dave in Montana wants to talk about drugs. Your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the Packet A toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The bulletin board system's there. Not sure if it's working right now. It's been on and off um, throughout the day, but uh, when it is working, it's a lot of fun at freetalklive.com. And also, be sure to join the Free State Project's first 1,000 pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. Talking about a BBC presenter, Graham Norton, one of the BBC's top television presenters, who has come out and honestly admitted his feelings about drug use. He actually came out, I guess, on television and uh, admitted that he... or Actually, no, excuse me, he was telling Marie Claire magazine that he took ecstasy and he enjoyed it and he doesn't feel sorry for it. And you know what? I agree with the guy. And I think that he should be applauded for having the courage to essentially put his job on the line 
you know, many cases, the drugs, uh, the anti-drug warriors out there are very powerful as far as their lobbying ability goes, and they can get people fired for this sort of thing. So yeah, they don't like people to, uh, you know, uh, better the PR of drugs. Right, because well, you know, it, and, and and they've got a message to to portray to people, and their message is. Drugs are bad. Do not do drugs. Everything drugs do is bad, and you should not encounter them. And uh, and if you come close to drugs, stay stay far away from them because they're bad, bad things. But are they so bad? Uh, Graham Norton doesn't think so. I don't necessarily think so. I think as long as you're using drugs in a responsible manner, which means being careful about the set and setting that you use in, do not take LSD while driving a car. You know, um, go be in a be in a very safe location you feel comfortable in around people, preferably at least one person who can be a sitter. You know, if you're going to be taking psych, uh, psychoactive uh, a product like LSD, you need to have somebody around that's not also on that particular um, product in case something does go awry. I'd like to say that I don't think that it's a good idea to take LSD, period. If you are going to take it, you need to really look at the setting that you're going to take it yes. in. But I don't think it's a such a hot idea. I mean, I've done it. Less than ten times, but more than five, probably. Uh And um, I've got to say that wasn't that great of an experience for me. And um, you could probably go through life, and uh, life would be really, really good without having taken it. Oh, sure. It's it's not something you need to do, but certainly there are plenty of people that are going to come in in, uh, proximity with it. There are going to be people who are encouraging them to do it, in which case they may decide they want to. And I'm just going to throw out some suggestions. I'm just throwing out suggestions. You know, for what you might want to do, um, you know, how you might want to take care when you're encountering something like this, when there's an opportunity like this presented. You know, set and setting are the most important factors when it comes to psychoactive drugs like that. But to suggest that uh, that all drug use is bad is dishonest. It is intellectually dishonest, and, and I'm all about being honest with people here on Free Talk Live. And so apparently is Graham Norton. Um, by the way, quick quote from the article here on uh, the BBC AFP article. Martin Barnes, the executive for uh, a charity named Drugscope in Great Britain, said, quote, It would be naive to deny that people use drugs because they enjoy them, but there are risks, and many who do use drugs do come to harm. We shouldn't rush to condemn admissions of drug use, but it is reasonable to ask that celebrities recognize a responsibility, that for many people there is a downside to drug use. And if I don't think we're neglecting that responsibility here on Free Talk Live. I think that every time the topic comes up, we make sure to point out that you know, this may not be right for everybody, that there are some dangers out there, some very real risks associated with using drugs. Of course, one of the most real risks is the fact that these are questionable substances. If you're in a club and somebody says, hey, you want to buy some uh, ecstasy? I don't know if that's how it actually goes. I haven't ever bought anything in a club because it would be stupid. But if you're in, you know, if you're buying from somebody you don't know, you don't have any rapport with, you might be buying something completely different from what your the, the bill of goods you're being sold. You might be buying something uh, a totally different chemical, and you have no idea. You just have a pill that's in your hand. You don't know what it is that you've just bought. You're going to put that in your body. Could be anything. It could be anything, which is why at the very end of this article it says deaths from ecstasy have risen in recent years in Britain, with 26 fatalities recorded in 1999 and 48 in 2004, an 85% rise. Now, if you just look at those numbers, you would think, oh my gosh, that could be my son or daughter. That could be me. But if you're careful and you know what you're doing, then odds are, no, that's not going to be you. Those 85, uh, those 48 people that died in 2004, I can tell you that those people died from an overdose, perhaps, 
or impure substances. They died because the product they were sold was not regulated by market uh, by up above ground market forces. The product they were sold was manufactured by criminals in the black market. And in some cases, these criminals will run a batch of, uh, oh gosh, what what's the cough medicine? DXM, mm-hmm. dextromethorphan hydrobromide. Correct. They'll run a batch of DXM because it's cheaper to make than real ecstasy. They'll put them into pills, and they'll go around and sell a bunch of DXM. Now, it's going to be difficult to overdose on DXM, but there are other examples. Very difficult, I right. imagine. There are other examples of products that, you know, they're just dirty, they're impure, who knows, maybe a little rat poison fell in there uh, during all of the, the, the chemical process. There are ver- a variety of ways as to uh, reasons as to why the product you're buying may not actually be what it's claimed to be. And that's why people are dying from so-called ecstasy. It's because they're dying from a product that was made in somebody's back kitchen somewhere. That's the problem. Not the drug itself. MDMA itself, if you actually get real MDMA, is a relatively harmless substance. It used to be, um, well, MDA used to be prescribed mm. um, back in the 70, late 70s, early 80s. Isn't mm-hmm. that correct? So let's go to the phone. How dangerous let's, could it be? Let's talk to Dave in Montana. The danger is in the war on drugs, not the drugs themselves. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, long live Free Talk. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? God is perfect. Man is not. Man made alcohol. God made pot. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm saying is stay organic, man. If it grows, it's all right. When you go into the chemicals, you're you're messing with something that's your body's not supposed to be messing with. Like if you uh, take coca leaves and, you know, the people in Peru, they 90 years old, climbing up mountains, carrying stuff on their head, you know. They don't got no teeth only because no dentists around, but mm-hmm. it's not killing them. And if you make a tea out of poppy plant. It has, like, the volume effect and the mellowing effect, and you don't get addicted from it if you just make a tea from poppy. Once you turn it into a chemical compound, it kills you. Hmm. Then a man thinks they're doing good by breaking it down into the chemical compound or whatever. Well, you know, I, I see where you're coming from, and, and for the most part, it's it's fairly accurate. But yeah, that, I'd that, have to agree. But then again, I mean, there are plenty of natural things that can kill you as well. I mean, you go try plucking some oh, yeah, berries like off hemlock, of random... Hemlock, or but that will kill you, but yeah. like... It, Pot don't kill you. Right. I just want to make it clear. I just want to make it clear that you know don't go around if picking go, berries if, off of bushes just because it's natural. Everybody says poison ivy. Yeah. If you touch poison ivy, it makes you itchy. Right. Right. So either way, do research before you put something in your body. Don't just go grabbing stuff uh, off of plants well, thinking it's going to be okay. The Salem witch trials. Right. There's this stuff called zargot or something. It's like a hmm. fungus that grows on rye grass. They were tripping. Oh right? yeah. And they were they didn't know what was happening to them, and they were saying, "Oh, they're the devil, they're the the witch, you know." Mm, or and they like just that. eaten some bad food. <laughs> wow! No, they had rotten rye. They had fungus on the rye. Yeah, fungus. And, and now the, fungus, of the course. The war on drugs is is such a waste of money. Oh, it's totally. It's billions and, and billions then of the dollars. Money that that is generated by the illegal market just strengthens the greater evil. It does. It strengthens it, uh, terrorists and, uh, right. and of course, the government. Put and the money it's just on all the bad. table. We should just be able to keep good. the money. Thanks for the call, Dave. We appreciate it. If, if we just end this war on drugs, we'd have a lot more money. More on the way. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. An entire year's worth of the show awaits you. The archives, right there, front page of the site. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you for their archives. We give them away a full year. Front page for free. Freetalklive.com. Ian here with you. And Mark. And uh, and let's go back to the phones, back to the fun. We're talking about drugs. One of the BBC's preventers, uh, presenters, television presenters, has come out in a magazine article and admitted the fact that he's used <gasps> ecstasy. And he enjoyed it. Well, my goodness. Maybe it's not as bad as everybody once thought it was. Man, but, you know, I'm not saying that it's not completely uh, risk-free. I'm not saying that. Lots of things can be dangerous if taken in excess. And um, I would never... Certainly, you can drink yourself to death tonight yeah. on alcohol. I would you never... Can go, you can go to the liquor store, you can buy enough alcohol to kill yourself. And I would never encourage young people, people, you know, who have not necessarily gotten through the maturity process to engage in any of this. I think that you really should be an adult uh, before you engage in drug use, especially ecstasy, LSD, that sort of thing. I think marijuana, you know, mid-teens, I don't think that's uh, too damaging personally. But I, I think that you really should have a little bit of, I guess, maturity under your belt before you get into... I don't like anybody under 18 doing anything. <laughs> well, they shouldn't be allowed to leave the house. Let's go to the phones. To George in Indiana, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, uh, you know, a minute ago I thought I'd fell in, fallen into a uh, Cheech and Chong movie. <laughs> that <laughs> last guy that called you. <laughs> Uh, you know, here's what I noticed. I'm 58, yeah. and, and I've done a lot of things when I was younger, and, and I do a little bit of the the herb now as an older man. But mm-hmm. uh, I was on Vioxx for 17 months. What's that? Vioxx is something you take uh, if you have problems, uh, uh, degenerative disc disease or arthritis really bad. But, mm. but after uh, people were dying of it. Uh-oh. And it got me, you know, and then there was a world recall on it. And you can't buy Vioxx or Bextra for that anymore. And it was a miracle drug for people with uh, uh, with arthritis. Mm. But here's the thing. Uh, doctors, you, you know a doctor has a practice. It's not a perfect, it's a practice. Mm-hmm. He'll send you home with a drug. If that don't work, he'll send you home with another drug. Sure. You open up that piece of paper, uh, some of these drugs have as much as five or six death warnings on it. Mm. Now... Uh, you know, and, and roll that into the fact that here in Indiana, uh, you can go into a bar and drink on Sunday, but you can't buy it and bring it home where you're safe. So the laws Silly. are really screwed up. Yep. And priorities are wrong. So, I, you know, and I really commend you guys being able to talk this uh, direct about this. Uh, I don't know how you were before this other guy came out, but I agree with it. And I think as as our country matures, but don't go into a, a total spin into that where we're <laughs> Oh, my. I mean, how did you get now? Now, George, you said you're in your 50s, right? Yeah. Now, how did you possibly get to where you are today when you used so many drugs in the past? I mean, didn't they do damage to you, George? Didn't they hurt you? Well, I've had a hangover, too. (laughs) But, uh, look, I've I've done LSD. I've done all of the, about everything from LSD down and and, uh, peyote button. Wow. was probably the best high I ever had in my life. Wait, which one? Peyote button, mescaline. Right. Now, wasn't, doesn't, doesn't that last like 24 hours or something like that? It lasts about uh, 8 to 10 hours, but uh, it, it's more of a body than a mind, and so uh, hmm. it's really a lot of fun. Interesting. Now, what, how do you now? What are your what's your comment on? And, and by the way, this isn't the first time we've talked about this on Free Talk Live. We've we've done this long before uh, Graham Norton came out. 
Um, but how do you feel about, um, in regards to LSD, peyote, how do you feel about set and setting being a, a major factor as to whether or not um, somebody has a good or bad time on these drugs? Oh, uh, I'll tell you, the, the, the best setting is with your friends in, a, in as clean a place as you can find. Because when I got high, I noticed everything. <laughs> yeah, you want to clean. <laughs> if you see dirt, it's the enemy. I mean, if you get if you get in an old log cabin with a dirt floor, you're going to freak out. Yeah, I'd rather be in a nice setting. Uh, and when I did LSD, I did real good LSD. I mean, this stuff was just amazing. But you know, that was my. I don't have a desire to do that now. Right. That's a, definitely an experimental drug. Maybe That's how I feel about it. Try it, but. Um, well, eventually, I, eventually, you know, you get it. I mean, eventually, you take the drug enough to where you've said, uh, where you can say, okay, yeah, I've done this enough. I I get LSD, you know, and you, you're done with it. Basically, is that kind of what happened to you? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I th- I think I've probably done it five or six times, but right. uh, you know, a remarkable. Uh, the first time I did it, I did it with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, one thing that was so unusual, we both looked in each other's face, and we both later realized that we'd seen every expression your face could give uh, in a 30-second uh, cameo of all expressions, and we both seen it. Wow. Uh, so there, there's a lot to that drug that's really uh, interesting. It is, it's, it's quite a, a world to explore, and, uh, you know, if it's, take, if it's done in a safe way, in a, a good, safe, set-in setting, and you're getting it from a you know, supplier that, you, that you've got some rapport with, that you understand that they're re- reliable, I would say be careful, but have a good time. And, yeah. uh, and there you go. Any other thoughts for us? Only that, uh, you know, when people finally wake up and realize that, you know, anything that's not harming somebody else shouldn't be something that they restrict you from. It's your own right to do what you want to do. You know, you got to wonder sometimes, George. I don't know if you've uh, – have you done any uh, any MDMA, any ecstasy? No. Um, you you got to wonder. I mean, it's it, – you wonder about some of the people that want to control these things. It's obvious that they haven't done them, right? I mean, these people that are just freaking out about drugs, these drug warriors um, that want to ban you – know, keep drugs banned, keep kids away from drugs, keep people away from drugs – it seems clear that they haven't actually done them because it would seem to me that if if everybody in the world uh you know did some L, uh, some MDMA which is just this drug that you know it's empathogen it makes you uh love every uh, it gives you this sort of um warm fuzzy lovey feeling and uh, it would seem like you know if we gave give that drug to uh George Bush or Saddam Hussein and some of these uh just angry world leaders uh, maybe we wouldn't have any war anymore you know i i just feel like these drugs could could really be powerful if people would just give them an opportunity. Well, yeah, you know, it, but, uh, there, in some circles you'll hear that uh, the CIA pushes the majority of uh, the cocaine and some of these heavier drugs and possibly anything they can make money on, on both ends. They'll have it brought in, and then they'll arrest it when they can get it and probably recirculate it. Yeah, that much is true. So, Thanks for the so call, you know, that's m- We appreciate hearing from you. You know, I, th- I think that people are... Uh, you know, personally nonviolent when they smoke marijuana, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that makes them any more responsible when they think about uh, foreign policy and worldviews and things like that. I've certainly heard plenty of pot smokers uh, talk about how they, um, you know, the Arabs this and, and yeah. The I wasn't Arab talking that. about pot. I was talking about MDMA. Maybe I that. don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not a not. I'm, I can't imagine what a violent person would be like if you were to administer them a dose of MDMA. Can't imagine what they would be going through their minds. I think it'd be very interesting to find out, though. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. So, I don't know, that's about it for me on the drug thing. The usual message of be careful, be safe, 
because we're not we're not fools here at Free Talk Live. We know that kids are going to try these things. We know that uh, that people are going to do drugs. And so the the appropriate message when talking about drugs is to do your research, like at arrowid.org, E-R-O-W-I-D.org. Can't get through a drug conversation without promoting them. Great place to get some real, honest research, honest facts about drugs, instead of you know relying on the government's line, which is just full of misinformation and lies. And, so and when people find out that it's misinformation and lies... They feel betrayed, and they're more likely to do more drugs. So do your research, find out what you're getting into, be careful, and have a good time. 800-259-9231. So let's talk Second Life. We've had uh, some listeners call in and mention that they were calling from Second Life. And some people might have been confused. Whoa, what, what is that supposed to mean? Well, Second Life is a computer program that allows people to log in to create a avatar for themselves, which is essentially a digital representation of you. Now, it doesn't have to look like you. You can look like whatever you want it to look like. It could have orange, big orange hair. It could be really fat. Uh, it, it, it could be an animal of some sort. Yeah, it, yeah you could have like a fox face and yeah, a there's tail. there's fox things around there. And so, yes, you create this avatar for yourself, and you can walk around and even fly around the world. You can teleport from one place to another. And there's, uh, you can purchase and sell land, virtual land. And then you can develop on that land. You can create buildings and places for people to come to and to gather. And some of our listeners have done that in Second Life. And that's not what I wanted to talk about, though. What I wanted to talk about was the fact that in Second Life you can create products and sell them. And there's something that has come along that has threatened the entire economy of Second Life. We'll tell you what they're doing about it. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packaday toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features are for free. Uh, We're getting them back online here as quickly as possible. We had a server crash recently, so do bear with us. Freetalklive.com. You can uh, shop, though. You don't have to worry about our site to do this. You can go to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Guarantee they're going to be online. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com is a great way to get the stuff you need in life and help Free Talk Live out at the same time. Because when you shop through that link, we get a percentage. Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your sale. So whether you're buying a hot new DVD, a book, a piece of furniture, groceries, baby stuff, they've got it all. We get a percentage if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. That is Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We're going to jump into uh, Second Life here in a moment, but I want to go back to the phones here because David in North Carolina is on the line. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yes, um, I was just wanting to point out how um, um, Bush and uh, how everyone's saying he loves torture and how painkillers are harder to for people to come by and also the coca leaf. Uh, should be an alternative free form towards other forms of uh, cocaine use. And also, I was also had a question about a friend of mine. He took uh, like 20 benzos the other, like last night, I think. What's a benzo? His other friend. Yes, and he, I don't know what to tell him. You what's, know, wait, know. what's a benzo? Uh, benzodiazepine. I think it was Xanax that he took. Wait, wait, benzodiazepine? Isn't that a motion sickness drug? Uh, it's panic disorder drug, I think. Hmm. And he so took I'm, 20 of are, them? Hmm? <laughs> he took 20 of them? Yeah, 20 bars, I think. Well, was was he trying to kill himself? Um, I don't know. He's just, he's been 
you know, in and out for years messing with those, and he's one of, you know, he's not a close friend of mine, but I talked to him, and he mm-hmm. seemed kind of like he was, he, he, I saw him at work, and I was like, well, how you doing? And he's like, man, you know, and he was just kind of panicking, because it does cause more panic, and uh, <laughs> I, I've, you know, and, he th- and he likes that panic. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've been a doctor put me on a certain kind of that uh, six weeks ago, and I, I want, I'm trying my hardest to just get away from a tiny uh, half a milligram. Well, I think what you're bringing up is uh, something really important that we didn't even touch on. We were talking about illegal drugs. What you're talking about is a prescription medication that is being abused by somebody, and this is a serious problem in the United States. I mean, right. These these medications can have uh, beneficial effects, but when you take 20 of them, mm, no, that's that's not a very healthy thing to uh, to be doing. And this is a serious problem that a lot of people have is addictions to prescription medication uh, to where they're using them to essentially get high, not for their prescribed purpose. Does that mean we should crack down on these medications? No. Does that mean that we should make it harder for people to get their hands on them? No, because these people, the guy that took 20 of these, now, did you say he has a prescription for them or he's getting them on the, the black or the gray market? Well, I guess he, he, he's had them maybe before. But the problem is, is uh, when you notice, uh, well, for me, for six weeks, I, I started on two milligrams, and I just tapered myself off. You get used to those benzodiazepines really quick. Mm. So I can understand um, when I first met him five years ago, he was uh, like, hey, you need any bars? or And, and I was like, well, no, I, don't, I didn't even know what they were. Right. And uh, so... Um, I mean, they are tricky. It's a tricky drug because they can they can trick people into that one a day, and then it, it's actually you're you're still getting the anxiety, and then that then that one and a half. You know, I can understand that he might might have uh, gone up like that, but a it's lot been of drugs a year, are year, a, like a half decade problem. A lot of drugs are like that, where you build up a tolerance very fast, and if you're using them. On an abuse, you're not using them as they're prescribed. You're abusing them. You're trying to. You're getting high off of them. Um, if you like the high and you want to do it again tomorrow, when the yeah, you're going to have to take more than you took the day before. By the time you know before you know it, you're up to twenty a day or something like that, yeah. and it's just insanity because then you're talking about if you're buying them on the black market and if he's offering you bars, it means he's got some sort of a source to where he's he's getting them from. If he's offering you them for sale. Then uh, he's he's probably getting them from the gray market, and th- that means he may be paying five to ten bucks a pill. I don't know what these things go for, but it's usually around that amount. Yeah, that crazy. that many pills can't be good. Any kind of pill can't be right. good for your liver. That's for sure. I I've mean, heard about grand mal seizures uh, without them, and uh, I was just wondering. Um, you know, I've heard people can have those seizures even when they're. I've heard that even on clonazepam or clonazepam. They uh, um, even when they're down to t- uh, a quarter of a milligram a day, it's really tough. After just uh, I, once you go to that seventh to tenth day in a row of taking it, which all these doctors order people to take it for six weeks, and that you you should only take a couple every three weeks when the anxiety is the worst. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm They've not a got doctor. It all backwards. I, I'm not a doctor, um, and I can't certainly make any recommendations on that. I just say be very, very careful uh, when it comes to anything, especially you know these prescription medications. They're, as our last caller was pointing out, these things can be deadly. If you're taking something and you feel you have to take it every single day, 
a drug treatment program is probably the direction to go if yeah. that's if that's uh, oh what sure promise. great point. Well, I mean they that that's the problem that a lot of these doctors will put you on um you should you can you can your body can have total control over like an opiate based Lortab or what, whether it's a hydrocodone if it's taken twice in one day and then one pill the next day once every three weeks your whole body has total control you can do it once the next year but it seems like when people need this, you know, if you're in Iraq and you get your morphine, if, if your leg's been shot or something, that you know, that's there. But it seems like, you know, I'm kind of ner- – what I'm nervous about is the Bush thing and people are saying he loves torture. And I'm wondering if it's going to get – the laws are going to get worse. So that's what this was – I was wondering if y'all were talking about The, the that drug just, laws? Yeah, like where, like, say someone's in pain and, they, you know, they it's it's a lot more difficult for them – if they've had a pain it, it seems to be that that drug laws in general are getting worse um there there's a little bit of a light there's some light at the end of the tunnel on uh, on drugs like MDMA illegal drugs that, that may be coming up uh, they may be able to do some tests on them the doctors or sort of uh, psychologists are getting behind it rallying for its re-legalization so there's some good news but generally government goes towards more regulation more controls and that's not good for anybody be careful thanks for the call man we appreciate hearing from you at 800-259 9231, that is the toll-free packet 8 line, 1-800-259-9231. Prescription drug abuse is a huge, huge problem in the United States. They call it, uh, what do they call oxycodone, hillbilly heroin, because it's so popular amongst uh, amongst low, I guess, low-income people, I suppose. I, I don't know why. I mean, hillbilly heroin um, sort of indicates that it would be cheap, and it certainly isn't. No, it's not. Oxycodone, I think it's uh, what are they 20, um, 20 milligrams? I'm not even sure what. I don't know a lot about these drugs, but they go for 20 bucks a pop on, on the streets. And Xanax is like 5 bucks each, 6 bucks each. Uh, that all adds up, especially when you've got a 20-pill-a-day habit like that last guy's friend did. That's crazy. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine twenty five dollars? Let's just go on the low end, five dollars a pill. Hundred bucks. I mean, twenty times five, a hundred dollars. Presuming he's, I mean, he he might be getting some sort of a quantity discount, but you're looking at fifty to a hundred dollars day p- a pill habit. Yeah. And it's not going to get better if you're popping twenty a day. As he pointed out, there's a lot of tolerance that's going to build up. You're going to have to start popping more, or eventually injecting it. Because you're looking for that high, you're looking for that peak, you're looking for what you've experienced in the past, but if you keep popping them, you're never going to get that peak, you're never going to reach that high, and so that's why people will go from uh, popping a bunch of oxys to uh, crushing them up and you know putting them in the solution, injecting them into their veins. I've, I, an old roommate of mine was doing that. I've, I've, I know that it happens. I haven't seen him doing it, but I know that he did it. You know, um, when you're talking about a hundred bucks a day, you're generally talking about a uh, habit that's supported by crime. Typically, yes. Unless that, unless you're selling enough pills to other people. I mean, really, unless you, uh, unless you have a very high income on it on your own. Yeah, pretty much crime's your only option after a while. I, I, you know, I mean, when you're talking about seven hundred bucks a week, man. And there's no amount of restrictions and regulations that's going to fix this problem. It doesn't matter if you ask people for their identification when they buy these drugs or if you put them on in two refill counts or, you know, whatever these silly rules they've come up with to try to restrict these, the sales of these drugs, mm-hmm. it will not solve the problem. These people want to get access to these products, and therefore, just like with illegal drugs, they will encourage uh, the, the demand, the consumer demand encourages criminals to get involved and start knocking over prescription drug trucks. You think I'm joking? Oh, it happens. It happens. 
knock over a prescription drug truck. And I don't mean literally. I mean you you waylay the driver, pull him over, and take all of his pills, and then you leave and you sell them on the black or the gray market. Well, in in a lot of cases, it's people that uh, are tempted. You know, that have great jobs, pharmacies that are tempted by the money. Sure. To, uh, you know, sneak a few sneak here, a few, sneak a few there, yeah. and that's fudge the records, and then they lose these great jobs and. Um, and people write fake prescriptions right. and all kinds of what stuff. What we need to do is make it so people can walk into the store and buy all the pills they want to right off of the shelf, no questions asked. That's the that's best solution. You disagree? 800-259-9231. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The Shroud of Female listeners is there. The dozens of ladies that have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. You can see what I mean. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. So we were going to start, uh, or last hour, we were going to get into Second Life. And now we've got plenty of time, so we should do it. Second Life is an alternative reality. It is a computer, I don't know if you want to call it a game as much as it is a simulation, um, where you create an avatar for yourself. And this avatar is a digital representation of you. Now, it can look like you. Um, it can, it's very customizable. Customizable to an insane level. Uh, you've... you've actually gotten in you've logged into the program before Mark. yeah i've wandered around I, I didn't notice that there was a lot of um custom customability to my avatar you but didn't I, look closely because i, you I don't spend, know how to do all that stuff you could spend hours yeah. hours on just customizing i mean there's for your hair I'm just alone a, i'm just a white guy with short haircut i mean it's right. not that difficult to make something that looks like me i understand that i just i just hit the randomize button until i came close to something that looked okay but i mean you can tweak each little setting, as far as I, I, I can't even get into the detail. You know, you can tw- tweak the setting of how close your eyes are together, how far away they are. Mm. You know, the, I mean, there's all kinds of little details. Anyway, so you create this avatar, you fly around the world, and you can do stuff like buy products. See, people in Second Life can actually uh, create things. That's one of the big selling points on the on the on the, the game. I'm going to just call it a game for lack of a better term. Um, on the game is that you can manufacture products essentially i guess from thin air and then you can um you can put ownership rules on those products so for instance if we wanted to go into second life and and open up a store that sold virtual free talk live t-shirts then we could do that we could create the t-shirt in the game set a price on it because there's an actual economy in the game in that you can take us dollars and convert them into what they call linden dollars which is what the in-game currency is it's like a 250 to 1 currency uh conversion ratio so you get 250 linden dollars for every us dollar and so we could put a linden dollar price tag on the stuff we were selling in can the game can you cash them out too cash if you, if you make can you get the money of, back out yeah. i don't know about that well, you make a certain amount of Linden dollars, would you be able to get, if I sell enough virtual t-shirts, which, by the way, that idea is gone. Somebody's already made them as soon as you said that. Um, oh, but, I, I think that's fine. I would, If we were to make virtual Free Talk Live t-shirts, we'd give them away, yeah. not sell them. I'm just using it as an example. No, I don't know if you can cash out. That'd be an excellent question for somebody who's actually a, a real serious player of Second Life to answer at 800-259-9231. But anyway, so you create the product, you put a price tag on it, and you can you could restrict it if you like. So, for instance, I could say that, yes, you can buy this Free Talk Live t-shirt, but it only has a one-copy life. 
in that you purchase the shirt, and one of the things you can do in the game with most products that aren't restricted is you can copy them. So if I've got a you know a little bean bag or something that I want to copy to you, Mark, I can just make the copy, and now you have it. You can copy it to whoever else you want to. Well, if I put a restriction on the product, then that means that you can't copy it. Or maybe I've made it so you can copy it just one time, and that's it. You can no longer copy it. And th- that's one of the things that some people have been doing to um, you know, restrict their products and bring themselves more sales. Or you see a product you like, oh, I can't copy it to you, but you can go to this store and you can buy it. Do you see where I'm coming from on this? Well, there's, there's been a, a problem. Something has developed. Somebody has developed what they call the copy bot. Copy bot. Yes, and we actually brought it up a few days ago on the show. According to Wired News, businesses in Second Life are in an uproar over a rogue software program that duplicates in-world items, and they should be. The Havocs, uh, but the Havoc soon by Copybot promises to transform the virtual world into a bold experiment to protect and creative work without the blunt instrument of copyright law. As you're going to see here, the creators behind Second Life have had a, they've had a choice to make. They could choose to use the government's uh, tools of enforcement on these copyright violators, or they can use market-based incentives and tools. And we're going to explore their choices here in a moment. Second Life, operated by Linden Labs, has developed differently from other virtual worlds because it allows custom content and encourages in-world enterprise. It's a hospitable place for creators to sell virtual goods like clothing, furniture, and even hairstyles. As in any economy, the value of those goods depends on their scarcity. People will pay, pay more for a fantastic hairdo that no one else has. If Copybot can indiscriminately duplicate these items, then no one has to pay the creator for them. Copying, therefore, is a value killer. Now, to understand what Copybot does, essentially, it's a little program you run that whenever you encounter an item that may have these restrictions... Yeah, you like it? Yeah. You, you, just set the, you set the bot on it, it copies the item, and now it's yours. So it's essentially overrunning all of the previous rules they had in the world. And this, this is making people very angry. As a result, Second Life merchants are understandably up in arms over the software, reportedly closing their stores until the problem is resolved. So the market is responding by saying, you want us to continue staying in your game? Yeah. You better figure something out, Linden Labs. So you would think that Linden Labs would be pulling out the big guns, including DRM, Digital Rights Management Technology, and Intellectual Property Lawyers to fight the copy uh, copybot problem. After all, there's a lot of liability to go around. People using copybot may be infringing the rights of the creators of those works under some circumstances. Wielding the program might make you liable for a contribut- uh, contributory copyright infringement if you're inciting infringement. But Linden Labs has confronted this threat to its bottom line in a different and novel way. DRM, which is the government's solution, won't work says the CEO, Philip Rosedale. Nothing can stop someone from copying textures or shapes off of their own computer any more than technology can stop someone from copying audio uh, streaming through their speakers. Also, the company doesn't want to be in the business of adjudicating copyright disputes. Right, rightfully so. They want to be in the business of developing and supporting their software. As Rosedale succinctly put it, given the ambigu- ambiguity in copyright enforcement, Linden Labs will in- inevitably make mistakes, and it doesn't want to make mistakes. Instead, Linden Labs will take another approach. In the short run, that use of cop- the, in the short run, it believes that use of Copybot violates its terms of service agreement, allowing the company to ban an offender's account. Long term, Linden says it will create better information identifying creators and dates of creation for in-world content. 
This will allow copyright owners who've been aggrieved to bring infringement claims against offenders personally, at least in theory. In practice, the available legal tools might not help virtual world creators very much. Much The Digital Millennium Copyright Act might give shopkeepers the power to force Linden Labs to delete copied items, but it will not provide financial compensation to the victims of infringement unless they file a federal lawsuit. Now, who's going to want to file a lawsuit over these goods that cost a fraction of a dollar? You know, Doesn't seem likely. Not very likely. So given the cost of these virtual goods, there aren't going to be many infringements worth the expense of suing. The next phase of Linden's response is more interesting. The company plans to develop an infrastructure to enable Second Life residents and landowners to enforce IP, intellectual property, related covenants within certain areas, or as a prerequisite for joining certain groups. In effect, Second Life's inhabitants will self-police their world, according to the rules and social norms that they develop themselves. This is exciting because it turns Second Life into a laboratory for trying out alternatives to prevailing real-world copyright rules. Now, it sounds on its face like essentially they're going to somehow give the denizens the tools to enforce on their own these rules. Maybe this will explore a little bit more here. In real life, copyright protection is an effort to balance incentives for innovation within rights of public access to culture and information. The intuition beyond copyright behind copyright is that when creators know they'll reap financial rewards from their creation, they will supposedly produce and innovate. Without copyright, the suggestion is that you have stag- stagnation. We're already seeing this in Second Life if merchants are really closing their doors in response to copybot. But U.S. copyright law is generally not tailored to the special needs of a particular industry. The Second Life community might be able to strike a different yet functional balance between encouraging creators and allowing public access. For example, the virtual world's creators will not necessarily benefit from strong intellectual property protection. Much of the creativity in Second Life is derivative. People want to be able to riff on hairstyles, clothing, furniture, and vehicles without having to worry about derivative works infringement infringement claims, meaning your um, car is too close to my car. That means you ripped off my car, therefore I have a claim against you. The community will probably not opt for too little protection either. Unlike the community of music fans where consumers far outnumber creators, the Second Life... A higher ratio of people are creators as well as users. One of the reasons they get into the game is because they can create things. These creators have an incentive to protect rights that encourage innovation because they themselves will be adversely affected if creativity is underprotected. The idea that innovation can flourish in the absence of copyright enforcement isn't heretical as it might seem. Then we get into some examples of where maybe copyright isn't so important after all. We'll talk about it here coming up as well as their solution. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control, toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Sign up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce, you'll know first. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list. We sent out an update recently announcing the Free Talk Live auction going on right now at auction.freetalklive.com. You can place your bid and possibly win the second banner on the website for an entire month, which is actually the best banner slot that we have available. Currently, the bidding's only at 31 bucks. Man, that's that's cheap. Three days left in the auction. Yeah, well, at, on, in those last three days, it starts skyrocketing a bit. Oh, I don't know. Skyrocketing is going to be the right term. It might it get up to 100 bucks. It was only 81 bucks last time. It might so. get up to 100. Uh, it, it could very well. It's been as high as 150 in the past, so who knows? We'll see. It's up to you to bid on it at auction.freetalklive.com. Promote what you want, whether it's your business, your product, your service, uh, heck, a band that you like, whatever. 
um, auction.freetalklive.com. Talking about Second Life, the alternative reality. It's a, a computer simulation of a game that allows people to create all sorts of things. They create an avatar for themselves, fly around this virtual world uh, where you can build buildings and create products to sell to others. But unfortunately, the Second Life economy has uh, been put in, well, it's been threatened by something called CopyBot that essentially allows anybody to copy any item that they come across in the game, which is making a lot of people very angry. People that create products that are supposed to be restricted, products that are supposed to be uncopyable, have now been made copyable by this CopyBot. Now, as a result, the game's creators, Linden Labs, have decided to somehow, I guess, I don't exactly know how this is going to work, but they're they're explaining this in the Wired article, explaining that essentially it's going to allow the users of the game, the Second Lifers, to essentially enforce copyright themselves. Uh, as, as As the article puts it, develop an infrastructure to enable the Second Life residents and landowners to enforce IP related covenants within certain areas, or as a prerequisite for joining certain groups. In effect, their inhabitants will self-police their world. Now, the way I read that is to simply say that, say, for instance, you want to come into the Gimme Liberty Bar at GimmeLiberty.com is the website. It's an area that our listeners have set up where you can actually go in, hang out with other listeners, Free Talk Live and other Free State Project members as well, and listen to Free Talk Live in Second Life. You get sort of all sitting in this room together or hanging around in this room, and you can hear Free Talk Live. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it's neat. And so I guess the idea would be that you can set rules and restrictions on that particular area to say that, well, if if it turns out that you've got illegal copied um, files in your Second Life profile, you won't be allowed into this area. So essentially sort of like an ostracism system built into the game. How do they know whether you have illegal... I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but I'm sure some Second Life... Folks can call in here at 800-259-9231 to clue us in. But the article is now talking, going to go into, into copyright and how the, in, the intention behind copyright is the idea that, well, a creator knows they're going to be able to reap financial rewards from their creation. Therefore, they'll produce more and innovate. That's the suggestion behind copyright. But does that hold? Well, take the fashion industry. As law professors Chris Sprigman and Carl Rostelia write in their paper on the subject, neither copyright nor patent law prohibit copying fashion designs. No. There is some protection for the brand associated with the apparel, but no law prohibits a knockoff, a Chanel suit, peasant skirt, or narrow lapel. And yet, fashion is highly innovative, with new styles several times a year, despite low intellectual property protection. Similarly, professors Emmanuel, uh, professors, uh, Emmanuel Fauchard and Eric von Hippel write that hot French cuisine is another area with low IP protection, yet high levels of innovation and creativity. No law prevents copying recipes. Instead, French chefs have developed social norms, much like those Linden Lab seeks to empower against exact copying, dissemination of tricks of the trade, and adopting significant innovations without crediting the chef responsible. Failure to follow these norms results in reputation harm, including ostracism. Such a norms-based, rather than law-based, system might work in Second Life. Norms-based systems are are context-sensitive and highly responsive to the concerns of the relevant community. Now, they're missing a little something here. When when you're producing a suit or something like Mm -hmm. that, copying Chanel is going to be difficult because it's going to take basically another season to be able to put out this, you see um, Chanel suits come out, mm-hmm. you see them, 
and then it's going to take a season to be able to put your stuff out that's in competition with it because if you're okay. six months if you're six months behind the suits um, behind in the you know as far as the weather goes it takes a yeah. period of time to pr- produce these things make the patterns produce them ship them to, um, places. That's presuming you don't have an insider working at Chanel, but okay, it is assuming that. Um, and when it comes to uh, cuisine, you know, uh, a chef creates something, somebody has to. S- see it and decide oh i want to copy that it it takes dissemination takes a while whereas in the in this case it's just simply seeing something copying it mm-hmm. you know i see it now i have it it's it's a matter of uh minutes between um seeing it and copying and nonetheless sure. if they can institute a system that allows people to ostr- to effectively ostracize the copiers then it should be interesting to see what happens as far as experimental. I'm interested in seeing what's ha- what happens. Well, they're also cheaper. These norms-based systems are cheaper and quicker than litigation. Because you know, can you imagine filing a lawsuit over somebody copying your in-game items? I mean, how long is that going to take? You talk about a season for Chanel. No, we're talking about government courts. Now you're talking about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, norms-based systems can only work, though, if the people in the community value the rewards that the community can bestow or withhold. What's happening now in Second Life is a grand experiment, and one that has implications not just for virtual worlds, but for intellectual property protection more generally. Are digital goods in virtual worlds more like music or fashion? Um, more like movies or food? Will the Second Life community find a happy medium that allows inspired creativity without hindering their growing economy? Could social opprobrium based on shared values replace rigid and cumbersome intellectual property law regimes? The answers will depend in part on the evolving ratio of creators to users, whether different communities share the same values related to copying, the cost of copying, how much branding and authenticity matter to buyers, and whether creators can enjoy an economic benefit from being first to make something. The stakes are high. Not only are the financial futures of Second Life merchants up for grabs, but so is Linden Lab's business model. If the company's way of dealing with copyright falls flat, creators will stop creating, and the growth in the online world will be stunted. Needless to say, the movie and music industries will refuse to license their works for in-world sales and distribution. Watching Second Lifers and Linden Labs chart a new copyright course will be fascinating, and may provide lessons about the future of copyright in real-world communities. Let's go to Second Life and talk to Jason. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hello. Calling from the Gimme Liberty Bar. Um, I'll use my avatar name, Ray Bach, calling. Well, hello, Ray. uh, What's on your mind? Going back to the topic of the currency in Second Life that you talked about early, the, the Linden dollar is the, is the currency that's built into the game, mm-hmm. and you were asking the question of whether you can cash out and how that all worked works. Um, and, yes, you can convert Linden dollars that you uh, earn and build up if you own a shop and you um, accumulate a good bank uh, account. You can cash it out, but it's actually – not through the game uh, Linden Lab company itself. Mm-hmm. It's actually a third-party company that runs a market oh. exchange, a currency exchange. So you trade and, in your dollars to this company in the game, and they pay out to you? Well, there's a website, um, slexchange.com, and if you go there, you can actually take a look at the current um, exchange rate, and it's a true floating market exchange. So it's not a fixed... Um, it's not a fixed exchange by the game company. It's actually 
people buying and selling Linden dollars and U.S. dollars. Neat. So the answer is yes, then, but not yes. because the company decided it, because one of the in-game people decided it. Wow. That's amazing. I want to come back with more with you, Ray Bach. i uh, got questions about this whole copyright thing. Coming back. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. That is the packet8.net toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all of the features there. They're all totally free. Live streams included. A broadband version of the show awaits you, as well as a dial-up version, both of them for free, at freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. February 23rd through the 25th, meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be in attendance, and so should you. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. To get registered, that's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we go back to Ray Bott calling in from Second Life, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Now, we've been talking about... Uh, well, Second Life, of course, this alternative reality, this essentially a simulation, a computer simulation that allows people to uh, fly around and essentially network with other people from around the world. Very neat place, very interesting place to uh, to spend some time in. And, of course, you're calling from the Gimme Liberty Bar at GimmeLiberty.com. You can learn more about that. Essentially, it's an area in Second Life set up by a free state project and uh, member and Free Talk Live listener. And it, it's attracting a lot of people, I guess, there every night to sit uh, to sit around and hang around in Second Life and listen to the show. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about the issue of CopyBot, this uh, bot that has been unleashed on onto this game and has created a bit of a, a controversy. People have been shutting down stores as a result of uh, CopyBot because this this bot allows people to copy any item in the game, even items that are supposed to be uncopyable. And we were talking about how Linden Labs, the company behind Second Life, is going to be handling this. And uh, Ray Bach, did you have any comments on what their plans are? Have any of them been implemented yet? And how do you feel about it? Well, I am not in the retail business in Second Life, so uh, well, fortunately, so I'm not. Maybe I, I don't have quite. It's not impacting me as much as other people who would probably maybe know more about it. Um, but there's long been a discussion within the Second Life community about how to deal with differences, uh, disagreements, how to uh, somehow handle various um, various disagreements that, you know, anything from people stealing other people's textures or, or mm-hmm. copying products or, or griefing people and, and harassment. And the big challenge for Linden Lab, and, and that's without an S, it's Linden Lab, um, is how they can develop systems that can scale because it's one thing for them to kind of become the government at, at this stage where it's still relatively small, but that obviously can't scale to the to the numbers that they're hoping and, and projecting. You know, when Second Life becomes basically yeah, they the might new be internet. able to, they might be able to handle a few disputes right now, but that's not what they want to do. And if a whole bunch of disputes come in, they don't want to hire people to to handle you know arbitrating all these disputes. Now, I guess, as I understand it, their their solution that they've got on the table right now is some sort of uh, property management to where maybe uh, when you create a product, there'll be a, a, a unique ID code attached to it, 
and that code, if you authorize it to be copied to somebody, then that's you know in the system officially authorized. And if somebody pops up that has that product without having that authorization, they may be disallowed from access into a certain community. So, for instance, at the Gimme Liberty Bar, if you guys were to set us, you know, set your area up to refuse access to people with unauthorized copies then that would essentially exclude them from certain areas of the game. Can you see perhaps a lot of areas deciding to exclude those individuals and maybe making them essentially social outcasts, digital pariahs, if you will? Exactly. I mean, I think this is such a fascinating uh, uh, world and society that's evolving because it, it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, an incubator or um, it's an experiment in, in market uh, market anarchism, really, and um, to watch how these um, systems are evolving naturally, spontaneously, and and I think that is the key: is giving individuals uh, better controls over their property, so that they can fine tune who they let into their property and not. And and I can see, I know that I've heard talk about a um, a, a better business bureau, for example, that's being d- developed. Hmm. So. I could see third-party organizations that get together and sort of collect information about individuals and maybe take reports. So, if, so it will basically give there would be a place that people could register a complaint, and then basically they could come out with a reputation system. Hmm. And some businesses that might, if that company, this uh, Better Business Bureau, was uh, well organized and 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 respected, then. Um, Businesses might use their their standard to you know accept or or reject people who wanted to come onto their property. So right, so sort of like a uh, lots of different competing competing uh, solutions. Right, like a like a second life version of the eBay seller rating, basically. Exactly, and there was a really interesting um, podcast I, I listened to a while ago, where between an eBay executive and a Linden Lab executive, and they were talking about how a lot of the issues that they both share, uh, it's reputation systems, and, and Second Life certainly could could benefit a lot from from something like that. Yeah, I'm definitely somebody who's a, who's a fan of reputation ratings, no doubt about it. Now, Mark, you said you had a couple uh, Second Life related questions. I, for I have Bach. I have one, and I I haven't done a lot of I've done a little bit of exploring in Second Life, and I've enjoyed it, um, but I've you know I haven't been able to concentrate on it as fully as I'd like and uh, spend as much time with it. Now, I know they have guns and that sort of thing in Second Life, right? So can you get a gun and shoot somebody dead? Um, well, you can't actually die in Second Life, so the worst that can happen to you is that you get teleported back to your, your home location. So but you, depending on the property, and that's another example of how property owners basically have the ultimate control, they can set their property to either allow or disallow guns that will have an effect on avatars. So there are areas that you can have basically simulated combat, and then in those areas, when you get shot, your avatar kind of gets, you know, knocked and, and flown through the air, and you can sort of die, and you don't really die, but you can... You just get teleported back. So you like can laser actually, tag. So, yeah, so you actually set the rules on your property to say, yes, we will allow uh, gunfire with consequences, in that the consequences, you get teleported out, or no, we will not allow any consequences for gunfire. Is that basically what you're saying? Yes. 
Yeah, I know, because I actually had a watermelon launcher at one point and right. uh, was shooting the watermelons all around the second, uh, the Gimme Liberty bar and accidentally hit somebody and sent the Avatar just flying off the map. It was, uh, it was kind of fun. I, right. It was right. an You said you were sorry. That's yes, one of I our did. pastimes is, is shooting each other and uh, doing ridiculous things like that. <laughs> Very good. Any other thoughts for us tonight, Ray? No, that's good. Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from Stop you. In and- Thank you. Well, yes, we will definitely stop in and see you. I've been thinking about it. I actually thought about stopping in uh, tonight there to Second Life, just to say hello. I don't, have enough, I don't have a lot of time to hang out in Second Life, but it is neat. It's neat to go in there and see, yes, there really are people sitting in there, hanging around, listening to Free Talk Live. I need second a life. second computer for Second Life, <laughs> because uh, I can't do anything on mine when I'm in there. What do you mean? Well, it slows everything too down. Too weak? Yeah. Your computer's too weak? Yeah, just... Well, I didn't really have any expectation to be doing some, you know... Gaming. ...simulated anything on this computer. 1-800-259-9231. That is the toll-free number. Well, speaking of games, Germany is getting that anti-video game fever that we've had over here in the United States for They're a while. dangerous. Well, leading German lawmakers demanded a crackdown on violent computer and simulated war games on Tuesday over concerns that they may have helped inspire a young man to attack his former high school with guns and explosives. The masked 18-year-old man stormed the Scholl Secondary School on Monday as the western German town in the western German town of Emstetten, wounding as many as 27 people before committing suicide. These guys are, these German killers are a lot more effective than the, the American ones. Jeez, they so kill a lot of people. Well, now he say, it does say wounding, so maybe okay. he didn't kill anybody. Still. Uh, but the young man, identified only as Bastian B., was known to authorities and due in court on Tuesday for weapons violations, say local police. According to German media reports, he had a fondness for war simulation and computer games. <gasps> Wolfgang Bosbach, the deputy head of Chancellor Angela Merkel's Christian Democrats in Parliament, said it was time to consider banning games that simulate wanton killing. Quote, we need effective guidelines <laughs> to protect the children from exposure to different types of media. But we don't need simulated killer games that can lead to brutalization, says Bosbach. Now, apparently... We need more stereotypical accents is what we need. Yeah, das ist gut. 800-259-9231. We need a, somebody better at doing accents than me. I really like the, uh, the German officer There's more there. to the story coming up. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Final moments of the Tuesday edition. Just enough time for your call at 1-800-259-9231. About whatever you want. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features, we give them away. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by joining the AMP program. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about it. It's very simple. The concept is you send us three bucks a month. On a voluntary basis, and we will turn that money around into promoting Free Talk Live, to getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations, advertising in industry, trade publications, advertising online to get more listeners, uh, internet listeners on board, and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty around the world, around the country. So if that's valuable to you, and you want to get some perks, like maybe classic archives, uh, access to the amplifier-only call-in lines, amplifier-only forum, all those details and more, amp.freetalklive.com. The PayPal signups are working right now. The credit card signups, not working. Remember, we are recovering from a server crash. Uh, We're doing our best to get all the features back online. So head over there and be patient, amp.freetalklive.com. All right, we were talking about uh, Germany. They're wanting to ban violent video games now that an 18-year-old has gone out and killed some people or wounded 27 people. Maybe one of them will, will die. 
Uh, but either way, it's it's a very violent incident, and of course they're pointing to video games as the actual culprit because apparently people aren't responsible for their own actions. It's game companies that are. Uh, according to the bureaucrats, they say, we need effective guidelines to protect children from exposure to different types of media, but we don't need simulated killer games that can lead to brutalization, says one of the bureaucrats. He added that scientific studies have shown violent games have disturbing effects on some children. Well, hey, guess what? Some children are disturbed. Some children have mental problems. What about violent movies? What about toy guns? I mean, are you going to... Yes, ban it all. The we fact need is, people to be safe, Mark. You know, if you put uh, two little girls in a room with Barbie dolls, they're going to play house with them. If you put mm-hmm. two little boys in a room with Barbie dolls, they're going to bend them in half and use them as pistols. Yes, and true. Point them at each other. <laughs> and, and that's just what they're going to do. I, I don't understand... It's slippery slope, Ian. It's a slippery slope. Well, Krista Stewens, family minister for the conservative-led state of Bavaria called for a nationwide ban on war games like paintball and laser tag, in which players hunt down and pretend to kill each other with guns firing paintballs or laser beams. Now, quote, The federal government must finally ban simulated killer games. Bavaria has had such a ban in place since 2002. She added that children should be prevented from playing violent computer games. The federal government has so far refused to ban such games. The opposition Greens warned against banning violent computer and war games, Leading uh, The leading Greens member of Parliament said it would be better to focus the debate on the proper use of computers and not jump to conclusions before it was clear what motivated Bastian B. Really, nobody's taking any pro-liberty side on this. If they are, they're not getting reported on. Well, um, they're it, not standing for it, that's for certain. Right. The question isn't what motivated Bastian B., the killer in this, in this particular case. The question isn't what motivated him. Um, but, you know, even if they do find out that he gets. What if he claims that? Oh yeah, I was playing Grand Theft Auto, and uh, that's why I wanted to go and kill all my classmates. If he says that, is that enough evidence? Is that all they're going to need to pass a, viol- a violent video game ban? It, I, I just don't understand. How can they convict the video game? Did the video game get a trial? Well, they won't convict the video game. They'll, They'll just put them out of business. They're just going to run them out of the country. Yep. And of course, it's not going to do anything to stop people from accessing violent video games. These kids know exactly how to use file sharing services, and all of the people that uh, that live in other countries will be ripping the games from the DVDs that they're that they're on, putting the images up online, and the kids in Germany will just download them to their computers and install them there. Then what? Are you going to make downloading and installing a violent video game a crime as well? Are we going to start putting kids in jail because they played a violent video game? Are we going to start punishing kids for having fun with their computers? Oh, they're going to put you into prison because you you played a bad game. What? You're doing what? This is supposed to discourage kids from being violent? You want me to be violent? Put me in prison for a few years of my life. You want me to be angry at the system? You want me to lash out? Go ahead. Lock me away and see what happens when I get out. It's, uh, it, unfor- unfortunately, it's a truth. You can't take uh, supposedly bad people, put them in a bad place, surround them by bad people, treat them badly, and then expect them to get out and act good. Well, if it's illegal for a, uh, for a kid to play a video game, which is what they're talking about, this woman is calling for the ban. It says children should be prevented from playing violent video games. Yes. Well, she that hasn't must thought be- through what she has said. Oh, uh, well, she's emotionally responding, and that's yes. good enough for her. Uh, but 
if a kid is convicted of playing a violent video game, whatever that crime is, and if it, it involves some jail time, the kid's not a bad kid going into jail. But coming out, different question. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. If you think that violent video games should be banned, I want to hear from you. I want somebody to explain this to me. What, what are you thinking? And this isn't going to stop people from playing them. Not only will they be able to download them, but it'll also create a black market for the hard copies. Somebody will go to the next neighboring country over where the games are still sold. They'll buy a, you know, 10-pack or something like that and bring them back into the country and sell them at school. It's not going to stop anything. It's just going to make it more difficult for them to get their hands on them and, and increase the prices. You're talking about a black market for video games. I would imagine at some point, um, I mean, you can download movies and you can download uh, songs off the Internet. Why can't you download old video games, especially old ones that uh, people have had time to crack? Oh, sure you can. Thing. Sure you can. You can? Oh, yeah. So um, I could go and get Grand Theft Auto Vice City off Presumably. of the um, Internet and download it on my... If you know where to look. burn it, and then I'd have this the game system, which they're not going to outlaw the PS2 Systems. or whatever. No, no. Then I would have the burned disc and be able to put it on my computer? You'd uh, On your computer, yes. If you have a burned disc, then you have to have a mod chip for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And those are tough. Mod, yeah, mod they're chips tough. for PlayStation 2 is, yeah. Um, you, need to, you need to be a pro, essentially, to mod chip a, a PlayStation 2. But nonetheless, computer games, um, you don't need any mod chips for. Mm. You just need the cracks or whatever yeah, that you need to get. So this isn't going to stop anything. It's just going to make politicians feel good. You know what I would like to see? Where is the video game that allows you to go on a killing spree in the, uh, in the, in the house? In the uh, the state house in Washington D.C., well, politicians don't aren't actually violent themselves. They use cops. No, I understand that, but you know what? I mean, you want to talk about a game that's going to generate some controversy? If, feel free to borrow this idea. Any game programmers listening, you want controversy? You want people? You want CNN news reports about your video game? Make a game where you kill the president. You, can you imagine? You remember? Wow. You remember that? You remember that movie a couple months ago that got all kinds of international press? That British made-for-TV movie that nobody would have ever heard about. I mean, how would the British made-for-TV movie, whatever the heck, I don't even know what it's called, uh, To Kill a President or something mm-hmm. like that? How could that have ever gotten any popularity over here if the media hadn't blown up about it? <laughs> you know, the Secret Service hadn't responded in the way it did. If they'd have just ignored that, it would have aired in Great Britain once, and it would have been the last time anybody ever saw it. Yeah, I don't think you want to live in America after you make the uh, uh, Killing the President video <laughs> game. It doesn't seem like uh, they'd like that much. You know what they should do? They should make it so it's nonpartisan, so you can choose any of the last ten presidents or so, and you can kill any one of them that you want to. That way it can't, they can't claim that you're anti-Bush, because you could kill Clinton if you wanted to, right? Right. You could go in, catch him while he's got Monica under the desk, and you know take them both out at the same time. Do you think you'd, you'd have, um, what, 44 different levels so you could take out each president? You could, could go back in time or something like that, take out uh, uh, Washington and Adams. Maybe Good you could Lord. do it in a row. Yeah. I, like some time I feel like traveling. that's almost sacrilegious. I hate the idea of that. <laughs> hate it. Then you can travel over to the house, plant a bomb in the Could house. Could you have a simulator where, um, you know, Aaron Burr and uh, Alexander Hamilton, you know, duel it out again? And I, I suppose you could do. I mean, you can do any of the things that you're suggesting. I'm just wondering why no one has come up with this. I mean, it's outrageous to the uh, to the government officials that Grand Theft Auto exists. But how outrageous would it be? I mean, it would be outrageous times ten, times a hundred, if the actual purpose of the game was to eliminate politicians. And I think it could work.
You know, I think that they could they could make that happen, and I think it would be wonderful. I'd be the first person to buy it and promote it on this show. Please, someone take I my idea. Just hate the idea of the uh, founding fathers' uh, assassination roundup. We could cut it off at Lincoln. We could, we could make it so Lincoln's the first person that you can that you can go after. You could, but I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that. It, it, I know again, the mods. Somebody are out, out there wants that, and somebody's right. going to get it. The so mods are going to come out. You might as well gonna, make the profit off of it. Right, they're going to make the extra levels. Some list, you know, some bla- uh, player, obsessive player, is going to just add on the extra levels. He's going to come out anyway. You know, uh, before I think before Lincoln, I can't remember exactly the time frame, but uh, there wasn't really bodyguards around the president. They didn't no, have probably them. not. They no. just sort of did their thing and. You know, people respected their distance and, and that kind of stuff. And Indeed. So you wouldn't have Secret Service agents running after you in the first ones. You'd just be able to smoke the president. But well, then they, again, they, you'd probably have uh, some uh, inaccurate big pistol thing. You know, it probably wouldn't be hard to do. I mean, they've already got a game called Hitman. I mean, the purpose of that game is to sort of be stealthy and infiltrate hmm. different areas and take out one particular target. It would just be adjusting that to where it's the president of the United States. You want to talk about controversy? You want that, to talk about free... Free publicity? Somebody steal my idea, please. Oh, please. I'm scared you just mentioning it on the air. <laughs> All right. It's Vinny in here with you. And Mark. And we'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.